Ashley, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Uh, so as you know, uh, I'm spending at least the next two weeks um, exploring uh, Stuff White People Like, which is a really popular blog from 2008. First of all, a lot of people weren't familiar with this blog. Uh, when I sent it to you, were you? did you know this blog back in the day? They, like, I, like I saw it and it brought back memories because I, I would have been a senior in high school. So I like remember it being a thing. Yeah, but, but it wasn't it wasn't something it. that it wasn't something that you like consumed on a day to day. No, basis. it was not. Yeah. Um, so out of I think there was like 136 or so items on there, uh, you scanned through it and you picked, um, I think, five or six of them that you really could speak to. Uh, one that you didn't include was dogs, which is a very obvious one. And you were saying it was because when you picked it, when when you when I asked you to pick the list, you didn't even have a dog yet, right? I did, I did not I didn't have a dog. The dog was not on my radar. I didn't think I was getting a dog and then I ended up with a puppy. Yeah, so take me through that process. It sounds like it came together pretty quickly. I I think I you know, it's like I've been so I've been by myself for the last 3 months and I got it into my head that I really wanted a dog and I have cats. So I was like, well, I can't get an older dog because I want to make sure it's a dog that would be good with cats. And so one thing after one thing led to another and I ended up with a, a, an eight week old Springer Spaniel puppy. Yeah. Uh, and you've been training it daily. I, I assume like actually training a puppy is, is it stressful or fun or a combination? It is so hard. It's the hardest thing I have ever done in my whole life. My entire, like I work. But I work from home for the next like you know six months or whatever, and so I was like, oh, I'll just like train the dog in my spare time. I did. I don't and, like. I knew it would be hard. I don't think I had any idea like how difficult raising a puppy is. Like you're, it's like having an infant, except that the infant can like destroy your apartment. Like, <laughs> yeah, that that is exactly what um you know the stuff white people like blog said. Um, many white people get a dog as preparation of uh having kids what's the what's the hardest thing do you have a specific example of something you've been trying to train uh your puppy so his um, name yeah so, so his name is ogi mm -hmm. uh explain the name first of all it's from my so i i wanted i'm a theater person and so um i along with sarah jenkins famous from your podcast uh i was trying to come up with a good theater name for the dog and Ogie is a character in a show called waitress that I really like. And I wanted, okay. I didn't want like a human name. For, I mean, he's a, is a human in the show, but I wanted like, I didn't want him to go, go with like Roger or like Steve. I wanted like kind of a puppy name. So I liked Ogie. What, what, what was like the number two and number three on the list? For um, I liked the name Milo, but it seemed a little too human for me. And then uh, I liked the name Pippin a lot. So I almost, Pippin was, was probably the second choice. Yeah, I like Ogie. Um, so, so tell me what's the hardest thing so far you've had to, you've had to do with Ogie in terms of training? I mean, I mean, my whole life revolves around his nap schedule. Like, so I, I, one thing I didn't know before I got a puppy was that dogs sleep like 16 to 20 hours a day, puppies do. Which like sounds like a lot. It is a lot. But like when he is awake, he, I can't like, I have to be entertaining him. Like he can't, he has, because he's so little, he like has no ability to entertain himself. Like I, if I give him a bone, he'll chew in it for a minute and then he like whines and he wants to be doing something else. Like, so it's just, it's constant, like constant. And so it's been 
like we, I got really lucky because he sleeps pretty well in his crate and that was something we worked on right away. And then obviously potty training worked on right away. And he's gotten that he's pretty good at that, but we're, we're really trying. So I don't know if there's a, this dog toy called a Kong. Have you heard of it? It's no. like a, um, so it's like a, it's like a kind of like a cone and you can like fill it with stuff and freeze it. And then the dog will spend allegedly like hours, like use like licking, trying to get the stuff out of the Kong. Everyone like is like it's a go-to like and, and Ogie just like cannot figure it out, like he just doesn't get it. Is very confused by it. And I was like the other and and so like I've been trying to like I've been slowly like I read, read I've been reading a bunch about how to teach him how to use it, and 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 he's like afraid of it. Like it scares him because it rolls. It's like it's been a whole. Th- he also is very bitey. Like he's still a puppy, so he's all very he's very very bitey. And so it's hard to get him to pay attention because he's always trying to like grab at everything. And so, like, a couple days ago, I, or yesterday, it's Tuesday, what's it, what is this? Monday, I, like, lost it, and I was like, I need help. So I, like, went online, and I just started Googling, like, dog trainers in Toronto. And I sent, like, a frantic email being like, I'm a terrible dog mom, and I'm failing my dog. Help me. And then this one woman <laughs> me back, and she got on the phone with me, and I just was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I was, like, telling everything. And then she's like, you're doing fine. He's just a baby. <laughs> she's like he's he's not dumb he's just little like yeah this is like taking up uh like this is like your number one thing in life right now I feel it's like. the only thing i do it's the only thing i can do it's like i spend all of my time with the dog and like and then the rest of the time with the cats making sure they know it's okay that we have the dog like i'm sitting right now in my room and i have both cats are like next to me because they like need the extra support because now we have a new family member do you think the cats know that, you know, now, you know, your t- attention has been redirected to towards the new uh, dog? A hundred percent. But the lucky thing is cats are easy. Like, that's kind of why I wanted a dog. I needed a challenge. And it has been. And I think it'll be, like, really rewarding. We just have to get through the next couple of weeks. Like, once he's, everyone says once you get to, like, four or five months, like, they, I mean, they get, they're still crazy because they're young. But they, like, the constant neediness settles down a little bit. So it's, like, I just am pushing forward. And we're doing these puppy classes where we go. And he just like runs around with puppies for 30 minutes. And it's like the best part of my week. Cause it's yeah. like you help so- to socialize and like introduce to other dogs. Yeah. Are, are you meeting like new people at the dog park and things like that? Oh, oh yeah. So, that was, so today is my one year of living in Toronto. It's a big oh, c- deal. C- congratulations. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Um, and I'm not, I think in the past two weeks since I got the dog, I have talked to more people than I had in the first 11 and a half months in Toronto. Yeah. Like uh, every dog, time I go to it's the a dog. great, it's a great social tool. Oh, um, it's unbelievable. Like, and it's like, everyone wants to be, everyone smiles at you because you're walking around with a puppy. Cause he's also, he's too young to walk. So you're not supposed to take them on walks until they've had all their vaccinations, but you mm-hmm. can like walk around with them. So I've been like walking around with him and I'll like take a blanket to the park and let him run around on the blanket. Cause you don't want him getting sick, but it's like, he's so high energy that I'm like, I'm not going like, to leave him in my apartment all day. So we do, but like I walk around the neighborhoods and he gets used to all the sounds and the smells and the people and everyone like is obsessed with him because he's so cute. Yeah, you're basically raising a baby right now. I know. And I'm like, eventually it'll be worth it. Yeah. And, and you know, the prerequisite when you have a dog, you have to have an Instagram account for the dog. I do. I have, well, I have an Instagram account that was my cat's one that I transitioned into a multi-animal account. <laughs> they must be so mad. <laughs> <laughs> You literally changed their account. It's like you changed their account name and it's like no longer about them. Have you even posted about your cats since you got the dog? I have. 
have. I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave them a couple of posts because they've been really snuggly and cute because they think they're like, what did you do to us? Yeah, but you, you've done that out of, um, you know, just sympathy for the cats. You, you, you really just wanted to be a dog account, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, the cats, the cats engagement isn't I've gotten so many brand deals. Everyone keeps DMing me for brand and brand deals now because of the dog. And I never got that with the cats. Oh man! All right, it's time for me to get a dog. That's all I needed to hear. <laughs> Brand deals. Um, yeah, this is like if my sister had an account for uh, my older nephew and slowly transitioned it to only be about my other nephew. Um, this is <laughs> yeah. the this is the equivalent. So you didn't have dogs on your list, but we covered it. Um, so let's get to uh, your the items that you picked from the stuff white people like list. The first one is David Sedaris. So please explain David Sedaris to me. Who is this man? I've I've heard of him, but I definitely have not uh, consumed his work. So Dave, Dave we we uh, us Sedaris fans, we call him Dave Sedaris. <laughs> okay, so um, so first of all, if I'm like at a book club, um, I, I shouldn't <laughs> call him David Sedaris. You didn't call him David. People call him David. I just always say Dave. I don't know why. I don't know him. We're not friends. But okay. uh, he's a he's a he's a humorist would be the term. He's a writer, but he writes like mostly sh or entirely really short essays. So he's got books that are like books of short essays. The one that I read when I was in high school, which is the reason I'm like obsessed with him, was called We Talk Pretty One Day, which is about him living in France. It's like a travel essay book. And we read it when I was, I think, like a sophomore in high school. And I was like, this guy is the funniest writer. He's so great. And then I like went through a phase where I just, every time he wrote a new book, I would like buy it. Like he's one of the few people that I have like actual like hard copies of books still from in so my you so you're a dave sedaris stan i mean like yeah yeah i mean he's he's just i think he's really great and he's fun and i like i like i really like the personal essay you know so that's the thing white people like personal essays yeah um so so over time like even since the time that you've uh from the first time that you read dave sedaris like you're still a fan today yeah like i like and he does a lot of, because he's got his books and he has a lot of like one-offs for like the New Yorker or for um, whatever, you know, like various publications. And there are like some essays that like I still think about. Like, so I'll, I was, I reread this one recently because I, funny enough, I took a personal essay writing class like over the last couple of weeks. We, I know, we, should, okay? we should add that to the list. We should add that to the list. But just because I was bored and like my friend Lauren was taking it and so I took it with her. Uh, and the essay that I like modeled my essay idea off of was he wrote this essay a couple of years ago about his Fitbit and becoming upset. Like his friend had a Fitbit and so he bought a Fitbit and then he became obsessed with it. And he started walking like every day he went to beat his previous day Fitbit score. So like he ended up walking like 35,000 steps in a day and he'd like go out in the middle of the night and like collect trash off the side of the highway just to like get more steps. And like the t he lives in England with his boyfriend or long-term partner is what I think they call each other. And he, uh, would like it, the, the local town like named their garbage truck after him because he picked up so much garbage off the side of the highway because he was like obsessed <laughs> with getting steps and then his Fitbit breaks and then he's like well then what's the point of walking if I don't have a Fitbit to track my steps and I just like I oh, it just makes me laugh it's so good yeah you know you've you've got me uh, you've piqued my interest um yeah. what's like the first what's like the three books of of Dave Sedaris that beginners should check out um me talk pretty one day for sure uh i really like dress your family in corduroy and denim which i think came after it 
And then the early ones are my favorite. There's one called Naked that I really liked. And then, oh, Squirrel, Se- Squirrel Seeks Chipmunk is also a good one. Yeah, on the, on the Stuff Why People Like blog, they also reference Barrel Fever. Barrel Fever is like very, very early. Yeah, and Holidays on Ice. Yeah, I think those are his first, his like first early ones. Those are like the early 90s. So is he like one of your favorite authors or is he like your favorite, like the favorite? No, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's my, like, he's not my number. But he like, because I, I read, I mean, I read a lot of, he's one of the only nonfiction or like nonfiction writer because he writes essays, right? It's so like he, I read a lot of his essays, but I, in terms of like, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, so <laughs> I don't know why I'm being weird about it. Yeah, I like, I really enjoy his work. What about, because the blog also references uh, Jonathan Franzen and Dave Eggers. What can you tell me about these people? God, those are, those are big, like, every, every guy I've ever dated would probably have both of those <laughs> guys on there. Like, that's like, so I, like, like, that's like, there's like a, like a list of, of, of authors that you're like, if you're, if you're dating a white dude in New York, like, that's what he likes like he like they like they're both he, he's also an essayist he's written a or Franzen is an essayist but he also he's also written novels and like I want to say most people have put him on like on their tinder profile like that's probably he's probably on there <laughs> really didn't Franzen is he the one who like made up something or there's like a controversy about him or am I getting him mixed up I don't know no you don't know I, of anything I don't know about enough- him I don't know enough about him. Like I like other than that, it's a, he's another essayist. Yeah, but the but the Mount Rushmore of um, white boyfriends uh, bookshelf in New York would be Dave Sedaris, uh, Jonathan Franzen. Would you put Dave Eggers it, on there too? I I don't know Eggers as much. The other one is uh, what's his name? It's the uh, uh, oh my god, I'm blanking on his uh, David 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 Foster, David Wallace. Foster Wallace. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you are on the subway and you see a guy reading nine out of ten times it is david foster wallace or it is dune <laughs> almost always like it is one of those two books and if it is infinite if you and if he's reading and, and the thing is it's usually infinite jest and he's not reading it he's holding it like because he like no one's read infinite jest but he like wants you to know that he's considering it Right, the the running joke because Infinite Jest is like nine hundred pages or something. Right? Yeah, and everyone reads the first like two pages and just again and again and again. Have you but ever tried? Have you ever tried reading Infinite Jest? I've I have not. I've, I've not. I, here's this is like another kind of side note, but I think it works for this. I went on a series of dates a couple years ago, and I had three dates in with a bunch of different people. I was like trying to I was trying to date more, and I went on three dates with three different guys who all had This Is Water themed tattoos. <laughs> it's just like David Foster Wallace's like famous commencement speech that he did for I can't remember what school, and like two of them it was like the same like water raindrop like kind of and I was like I like your tattoo that's always like a good thing to talk about he's like oh it's from this essay or just written by David Foster and I was like you gotta be kidding me and it's like all like like Brooklyn boys just they love David Foster Wallace yeah uh, so you you like know your type because they yeah. were all in, in the well, same like, category. <laughs> maybe i am done with that <laughs> like, over. um if, if if i were to get that tattoo I, I would get uh the words but in chinese definitely oh um, there you go yeah just just to mix it up a little yeah, bit yeah one of them just said this is one of them just said this is water like on his arm and he's like it reminds me of blah, blah, blah. and i was like okay <laughs> is that when the date oh, ended 
<laughs> is that when you is I'm that when you moved to Canada? Yeah, then I was like, bye, I'm leaving the country. I did forget one of my favorite parts about Dave Sedaris is that his sister is Amy Sedaris. Do you yeah, know Amy Sedaris? Yes, I know Amy. I was going to ask yeah. you that if they were related. Yeah, so they are related. They are. They're, okay. they're siblings. So, okay. like, that's, they're, they're, that's another reason I like him. It's because I love I love her. So it's just cool that they're a, a cool family. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check out Dave Sedaris' work. So next on your list uh, is Manhattan. Um, you know, uh, people... Uh, that don't know you're from New York um, or you I, lived in New I York. I only right? mention it every three minutes. Yeah, this is like um, basically every time we do a podcast, I just, uh, you know, mention that I'm divorced and you mention that you're from New York. Yeah, um, not everyone. Yeah, that's how it works. So uh, explain here. I'm going to read you the part of the entry from the blog about Manhattan. So it says, oftentimes, if you ask a white person about where to travel, you will get a lot of responses. But if you ask them about New York, white people will go nuts. They love the city universally and all either live there, have lived there, will live there, or want to live there. White people like New York because it has artists, restaurants, a subway, history, diversity, plays, which we'll get into specifically later, and other white people. It literally has everything white people need to thrive. The only thing it's missing is nature, but Central Park is right there. And since you are walking all the time, you are outside. Uh, does that sound accurate to you, Ashley? Yeah, that's about right. My, uh, yeah, that's, oh, God. Uh, yeah. I, uh, cause I grew up, so I grew up outside of the city. Like, I grew up in Westchester, which is, like, 45 minutes outside of New York. And so I always, like, when I was little, I was like, I'm moving to New York. Like, I'm moving to the city. And, like, I'm one of those, I was an obnoxious person. I'd be like, I'm, I'm from the city. I'm like, it doesn't matter where, I, I could be in, like, Illinois. I'd be like, I'm from the city. And they'd be like, Chicago. And I'd be like, no new york the city <laughs> like like um, you, you say the city obviously you're talking about new york because it's the only city <laughs> yeah that's uh that's how pretentious it is it, it's literally <laughs> just referred to as the city uh as if it is the only city that exists um but you know what i don't even think this is a white person thing uh, i think new york just holds um, a certain prestige um, similar to probably like LA or, or something like that but it does feel like New York is stronger in, in terms of being snobby about you know having lived there or lived there I mean I lived there for three years and I still carry that with me and think I'm better than people because you're like oh I lived in New York like I can do I I can do it yeah like if I'm if, if I'm an equal with someone else you know the tiebreaker is I lived in New York um, there you go. And, and I will always win um so the next one is The Daily Show slash The Colbert Report. So yeah, Tommy, you, you worked on the show, right? Yeah, so my junior year of, of university, uh, I interned at The Colbert Report. So I was I worked in the props and the script department. Uh, and it was just, it was a great internship. It was like, it was just cool because it was a really small office. Like it was tiny. And so like the interns were basically like PAs. And so you were real, like, I really did a lot of brand. Like, my very first day that I interned there is, which is actually funny now, but it was, they did a, it was for, it was like some sort of soldier holiday. So the entire audience was soldiers and they had, and I had to get a bunch, it was, they had asked the soldiers, like, what did they miss most from home? And it was like, we miss grass and we miss hot dogs and we miss pretty women. And so we spent the whole day like covering the studio in like real turf and then like wrapping hot dogs. And so, and the guest was Joe Biden. <laughs> and so like 
Joe Biden came out and like handed hot dogs to like the members of the troop. This is 2011, so he was vice president at the time. Uh, and it was it was just like a we. It was such a crazy experience, and it was like because you get so many like every day you're getting like big guests and like big names, and so that was always really fun. And I just you tell people you worked at the Colbert Report, everyone like wants to know, and I'm like Stephen's great. Like I call, like Steve, like we're friends. We're not. I brought him coffee a lot, but. People call people call him Steve. People that know him. Steve. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How long did you work there for? This is this semester. It was my uh, winter fall fall winter semester. So it was like from August until December. Yeah. Are you like you are into politics, right? Yeah. I mean, I was. I I, I used to. I, I am way more now than I was then. But I because I got like most people, I got very. I was in high school. I was a senior in high school uh, in 2008 so when I started my freshman year of college it was September 2008 and so right like the Barack Obama getting elected which was like one of the coolest like nights of my whole life because I was in New York and the whole city it was like everyone was sobbing and so happy and it was like this amazing emotional experience and 2012 was really great not as great as 2008 I think because like 2008 was just like this high of like we have our first black president and it was just amazing but that show is one of the reasons that I, I, I had gone to school thinking I wanted to work in film. And after that semester, I was like, I think I want to work in TV. And then that transitioned into, I think I want to work in sports. So, cause I liked how fast paced it was. I liked the turnaround. I liked how like, we're like a movie. I was like, we're spending like weeks working on one scene. It was like, I can't do this. I liked the, uh, how it's like you'd work on something. And then if like something went wrong, it's like, fine, we have another show tomorrow. Like, and it just, you keep moving. And I, I really liked that pace yeah two things uh, i wanted to add as like addendums to this as stuff why people like um i think talking politics with your family is one i don't know if you agree i just i just find that like especially asian um uh friends that i know we never talk politics with our family but i think it's mostly because we don't want to know what our parents uh really think uh, yeah. um do, do you find you have like these political discussions with like you know your family when you get together and things like that? Um, I mean, my, so my, my mom hates it because my dad is obsessed. Like my dad is your typical, like in his sixties and spends all of his time watching MSNBC. Like he's obsessed <laughs> with Rachel Maddow. He can like, he like, it's all he talks like. And then like, if you, my dad has a Twitter account and if you go to it, it's mostly him like tweeting mean things at Donald Trump. Like, it's like, you're an idiot. Like, so your, your dad is a Rachel Maddow stan. Oh, my dad loves Rachel Maddow. Like, That's lo- amazing. Like, loves loves her loves her like it's amazing so he gets and, really and so it, he gets really passionate when when you guys have those discussions oh, and, oh it's like yes he's like it's like and he and he gets so upset because my mom's family is 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 pretty republican and are big trump people and it's caused a lot of issues because they're very open about it and my dad and them getting these big long twitter fights and my, or uh, facebook fights because of course facebook and like my mom hates it but like for example this is from june 9th and and trump has a tweet and my dad responds every single day trump manages to display what a truly horrible and despicable human being he is <laughs> so i could probably find your dad in like trump's like replies <laughs> probably yeah because he's all he, every like dad my dad responds like every other day like june 2nd june 3rd like i'm looking at him like all of these him being like you're terrible that's amazing uh well it's better than the alternative oh 100 percent. i'm like my like my mom i think my mom is very apathetic which also makes me very angry like 
when during all this stuff with the New York and with the Black Lives Matter, like I tried to engage her and stuff, and my mom was just like, I don't want to hear about it. And I was like, I don't, we have to talk about it, which she, which she just doesn't like it. So that's another, you know, but I, uh, it's definitely, I'm very aware of I've, all of my white family members' political affiliations because all of them talk about it all the time. Right. Um, to, to add to this, um, I wanted to add the Pod Save America podcast to this. I feel like every white person listens to Pod Save America. Is that correct? I, I, I'm, I'm, I am wearing the T-shirt as we speak. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> wow, unbelievable! I love when these magical moments happen. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, man. People, people love Pod Save America. All right. So next up is yeah. What's up? Oh, what's up? I'm just gonna say an addendum, which is we didn't talk about the Daily Show. The Daily Show when it was a 2008 Daily Show, which is like when this block, like there was every person was watching that because John Stewart was like the like. John Stewart guided everyone through the the two thousands. Like the like, there was nobody more influential. I would say in in the not the world, obviously, but like in America, or at least in like liberal America, than John Stewart. Oh, I he think he changed. Person. I think he changed how an entire generation consumed news, and probably brought in yeah. it brought in a much uh, newer and larger audience in, in terms of getting to people to care about politics and world issues and I, I didn't know a single person and this is not just white people like i don't know a single person in university who you know was you know aware of things and followed the news who didn't watch the daily show everyone watched the daily show yeah i just like i was like we talked about colbert but i was like wanted to be like that like there was not like there was john stewart was it was nothing was like him like there's it's like and like when he let when he retired it was like everyone was just like what do we do and every so often he like shows up and he's got his like crazy beard because he like lives in the forest with like squirrels or whatever. And it's like, oh, it's so good to see you. Yeah, because he, I think he just came out and did like a New York Times interview or a New Yorker interview. He literally about disappear Trump. for like months and then he'll just like pop back in and be like, hey, hi. Yeah. <laughs> um, so next up on the list that you picked was plays. So does this, does theater, theater falls into this, right? Yeah. That would be what I would consider theater. <laughs> okay, so for people that don't know, uh, you are the biggest uh, theater uh, enthusiast um, in North America. Is that correct? Yeah, I guess. All right. Yeah. So tell me about this love. Tell me about this love for plays and for the theater. Like I, I was. We talked about this in the Breakfast Club episode, but I was a huge theater kid growing up. So I, I was. I had a lot of energy. I talked all of the time. So my parents like threw me in the theater because they were like, that's what people do who like to talk. Uh, and I became completely obsessed. And and so that when I went to NYU, I went to New York University. And like part of that was because I was like, that's near Broadway. And it was always this big thing where like I would go into Broadway was my favorite thing to do. Like every birthday, I would get to see a Broadway show. Like every like it, I loved it. And so a couple of years, actually right after Trump got elected, I was like, you know, in a and I had I me mean, I'd gone through a big breakup and I was like I made a list of like things that I liked so I could do them more. I was like, I'm gonna make a list of things, I'm gonna like make a promise, like do more of these things. And one of them was to see more theater. And so I started this like it was twenty seventeen. I started like a I called it a show a week twenty seventeen and I promised to go see some sort of theater show, a play, a musical, Broadway, off Broadway community theater, like something once a week, every year, every week of that year. And so I, I did it. I, I think I saw 58 shows that year 
Uh, and then the next year I was like, I'm not going to make the same goal, but I'm just going to see as much theater as I can. I think I saw like 60 something shows. And then the last year was the ridiculous one because I basically, I, by, like I had slowly started making a lot of friends through theater, like through going to shows and like doing more theater events and meeting people. And so I got a lot of theater friends. And so I started seeing, like I, I hit like 115 shows in one year, (laughs) in one year. And I moved to Toronto halfway through that year. So like, I saw it. So, I, I mean, I, I did go back to New York a lot because I, you know, New York is home, but I saw a lot of shows here. I saw a lot of shows in New York. I saw a lot of, I went to, I, I go to, I try to go to London every year to go see a week of, of theater. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just, I don't know why. It's just, it's my thing. And I like can talk about it. I could talk about it all the time. We could do a two hour podcast. I could talk about every show that I've ever seen. I mean, even like, so like on Saturday, on uh, Saturday night, uh, a, a theater Twitter person that I know, he um, did like a fundraiser and it was like, you donated like 10 bucks and he did like six hours of Tony's programming. So it was like all of the best moments from the Tony's. And so it was like a chat room and they just play, they played all of the videos and just like watching all the Tony's moments. It was just, it was great, you know? And I have my theater TikTok account. Shout out if you like theater. Uh, yeah. So, theater content. so the theater community, it sounds like, and from what I've seen from like your social feeds, like they're doing like virtual stuff and still keeping people involved. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously it's not the same thing as like live in person theater, but there's a lot of really cool uh, like companies that have found new ways to kind of do theater. Like I have a, a guy that I know, Jeremy, who runs a company called uh, now it's called, it's called Play Per View and they do plays via Zoom. And so you'll like buy a ticket. It's, they, everything goes, everything is donation based. So like you donate five bucks to whatever the charity is of the week. And then you get a Zoom link and you watch and they get like really well-known, like big, you know, performers, like Tony winners and and bigger actors to do to do shows. And then like and now a lot of other let's go do plays. And now a lot of other theater companies are joining in. Like I did one a couple weeks ago with MCC Theater in New York and they had a show with Oscar Isaac and, and Marcia Tonay. And like it's just it's like weird because you're like, why? And it's live. They're all live. And so but it's, you're like watching Oscar Isaac like on your Zoom. And you're like, hey, dude, how's life? Like, <laughs> I mean, he can't see you. He can't communicate. But it's just like, you feel weirdly close because it's like, I talk to like my boss on Zoom and I also like now have Oscar Isaac on Zoom. I don't know. But oh. it's uh, you just comparing cool... Dan, you just comparing Dan Tolman to Oscar <laughs> Isaac or what's going on? Same thing. Uh, but it's uh, a cool, it's a, it's a, been a good kind of escape from not having theater to go to. Is that the number one thing that you miss uh, about normal life, going to a theater show? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say theater is the thing that I probably miss the most. I mean, it's 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 how I spend a lot of my time, and it's where a lot of my friends are. So I uh, I do miss it. So the last one that you picked was studying abroad. Um, is this something that you did? I did. I studied in Italy in 2011. It was the best semester of my life. Everyone will always tell you how great study abroad is, and I, I could I still talk about it. It's been what, almost 10 years, and I'm still obsessed with it. <laughs> Let me read this paragraph to you from the blog. So it says, if you need to make up your own study abroad experience, they all pretty much work the same way. You arrive in a country not knowing anybody. You went out to the bar the first night and made a lot of friends. You had a short relationship with someone from a foreign country. You didn't learn anything, and you acquired a taste <laughs> for something. Bracket, local food, beer, or fruit. This latter point is important because you will need to be able to tell everyone how it is unavailable in your current country. 
Yeah, that sounds. I mean, I when I got back from Italy, I was like such. A, so I was also like I. Did, I mean, I did study abroad right and wrong, which is I was gone every single weekend. Like I studied abroad in Italy, but I was in Italy for like, like I was in Italy Monday through Thursday, and then Thursday night I'd like fly to Paris or like fly to Morocco or like fly to Greece. Like I was a crazy person. Like I was like, who needs money? Like I and I we'd like sleep in train stations and like sleep on a beach. Like and not like. I was, I was just, I was, and then I'd come back and I was like, so worldly. I was like, oh, how is America? I don't know if you know this. I was living in Italy, in Europe, abroad. <laughs> what was a, what, were you snob? Like, were you a snob about anything that you took from Italian culture that you're just like, oh, I can't have the coffee here. I can't have oh. certain foods here. So like the big thing when I lived, which is not really the case anymore because Italy is more developed and I wasn't developed then, but you used to not be able to get coffee to go. Like you'd go to a, you'd go to a coffee sh- shop and you order like an espresso and they, and you'd be like, can I get it to go? And they would be like, no, you can have it here. So like when I got back at first, I'd be like, oh, you've got your coffee to go. in Italy. Like you don't get coffee to go. You enjoy your coffee in the morning at a shop. Like in per- you have the community. Like you don't want it. You wouldn't just walk away. Like you would have your coffee with the people in the coffee shop. And I was such a I was obnoxious. Like I was like about twenty one. Like I was just like a total diva yeah that sounds like too much uh social uh pressure (laughs) as well so i don't like that as an addendum i want to add teaching english in asia i think is very popular Um, oh yeah my uh my ex-boyfriend is there right now he lives in korea there you go he's teaching he's getting a a david foster wallace tattoo as we speak yeah as we right now right this second (laughs) he's gonna text you a photo of it before we wrap up and I was. This actually goes into my first, my first things white people like. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. So you have. You told me you have a list of five that you wanted yeah. to add to the list, right? So let let me hear your uh-huh. first. So, my ex boyfriend lives in Asia teaching English, and he has a travel blog. White people <laughs> love yeah. travel. Oh yeah. Blogs. Does he, is it food specific, or you know, is he recommending restaurants? No, it's, just, restaurants? it's about like living living in Korea and teaching English and all of the joys and struggles of i don't know being a white person he's a redhead so it's about being a redhead being around all of the koreans i i haven't actually really read it i just saw that it existed and i just laughed um, there's, no, there's nothing there's nothing besides a personal essay the the most popular uh type of content uh, is definitely going to a new country where everything is just so uh new and and exotic <laughs> yeah and like i like, and i will say like I, I definitely had a travel blog when I was studying abroad. Like that was something that I had. And like, I, for a while I was like, I'm going to be a travel blogger and I'll be a nomad. So I had a travel blog. I was super into travel, like the idea of becoming a travel blogger. And I was like, I'm going to be a nomad and, and not have no house and just travel and write about it and be a, and make money that way. It's just, you know, what thing people do, I guess. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Did you ever pursue but- that or no? I mean, not seriously. I did go, but the first time I ever came to Toronto, it was because I was here for a travel blogging conference called TBEX. And so you got to meet a ton of different travel bloggers and learn all about writing. And I was very, very into it. But I, feel it like it's, me, I feel like it's not too late for you to do I could. I, I could still, I, I mean, I feel like the blog is kind of dead though, isn't it? Or is it not? Well, the blog is not dead. Traveling is dead right now is the problem. Well, yeah. <laughs> Traveling is dead right now. You're correct. I'm going to say travel is more dead than the blog right now. You're probably um, You said it leads you to your to your second? Oh, my next topic, uh, which is 
uh, van life. Have you heard of the hashtag van life? Van, like V-A-N? Like, yes, it's people that give up their homes and they turn, they, they, get, they buy a van and they turn the van into like a house and they live in the van. And it's a huge thing on Instagram. And it's all of these people that live in vans, but like tricked out nice vans. And that's what they do. I remember a baseball player did that. Dan- Daniel Norris. He was like a pitcher for oh, and he had a, the had, Blue Jays. He like tricked out. He, he tricked out his like Volkswagen, and that's where he lives in the off season. Um, are there reality shows about this? I don't actually think so, but there should be. Yeah, that's a good opportunity, actually. Yeah, I would say as part of that, like an addendum to that, would be tiny houses. <laughs> yeah, tiny houses. Like, I, that's why I asked uh, about reality tiny. shows because there's so many tiny home shows. I love, I love so, a good yeah. tiny. I love a good tiny home when you can fold your kitchen and it becomes your bedroom. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, so efficient. What, what else do you have on your list? Uh, next one I have is holiday cards. I don't know if this is a white person thing. <laughs> I, I feel like it is. It's so like my mom. When in, when in doubt, when in doubt, it is. Yeah, that's what I assumed. Uh, like my mom, our holiday card picture is like the biggest thing of my mom's year. Like she oh, is a oh, set, like oh, yeah. you're talking about like the personalized like holiday card with with the family photo. Yes, the family okay. photo. Like so, like getting okay. the family photo for the holiday card like is the biggest priority in my mom's life. Like every year, like last like my my brother is going uh going to like a, this intense program and in a couple of like for abroad. He's not going to be around. Well, maybe not anymore. But he, but so, but so because he wasn't going to be around for this year's holiday picture, he was going to be gone for a year. My, um, my mom made us take two different outfits last year <laughs> so that she can use one of those photos for the holiday card this year. <laughs> That's intense. So she pre planned it just to make sure that there was one. Yeah, she knew year. that Alex was going to be here. And so she was like, well, if Alex's not going to be home because he's going to be wherever, uh, we're going to have to take the photo. Because wow. he was so, like, I'm not coming back. So do you, think, do you think you have a personalized like holiday photo for every year of your life? A hundred. No, it's out of doubt. My, like, like my, like my, they're my mom's favorite thing. And like, you always, you mail them to everyone. And I was like, I don't really care. Like your kids are all grown up now. Like no one wants to see like your 30 year old daughter in a photo. But like, but then she still like all of her friends send the card. My mom sends the card. They always have like a generic, like, I mean, my favorite ones are people that send like the letters. Like they'll write like a two-page letter about like what every it'll be like what every member of the family is doing, and it'll be like <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> Stephen got a new job, and now he works at the barber shop, and like it's, it's, it gets a whole like and and uh, father like dad dad's doing this, and like big sister Stacy's doing this, like. And it's like, the, it's ridiculous. <laughs> this is why blogging's dead, because all the content's going on these holiday cards. <laughs> these holiday cards. Yeah. All right. What else What else do you have? Uh, I have book clubs. Oh, yeah. I, are, are you, like, regularly in book clubs? I So my, I have a book club in New York uh, that I am kind of back. So, like, it was, like, my like a large part of my social circle. It's a, a, a young adult book club. So it's adult women and we only read books about teenagers because <laughs> uh, we like them and we have like a very active Facebook group and a very active Slack channel and so like when I was living there like 
it was like a large, it'd be like, someone would be like, Hey, I'm doing this event on Saturday. Who wants to come? And a lot of them like became like my theater friends too. But like, it was a big, like book clubs were very, it was a very big, and like, you don't end up like, I never ended up reading half of the books, but you still go to the like meeting. Cause then you get to like drink wine and like hang out with people. But it's more about the socialization than it is about reading a book. Yeah. This is like, uh, it's like playing softball which was discussed on another podcast. Just any excuse to socialize and and drink. So you don't get shamed if you don't uh, read the books? No, never. Not in mine. I'm sure there's other ones that do. Yeah, I just always I thought like, book clubs... One... I thought they were like really strict. Like, you better finish this book by Thursday and we're going to talk about it. Yeah, so I tried to go to one here and it was more like that and i was like oh i'm not into this i just want to <laughs> hang out with people yeah that's why i can't do book clubs because like some weeks i'll read like three or four books and then i'll not read for two weeks um I, I can't i can't keep up with other people's schedules but book club is a really good one uh do you have any more yeah my last one is cruises <laughs> yeah yeah judging like, by and, all the and, uh, judging by all the people who were trapped on cruises and who continue <laughs> to go on cruises uh this year i think you're correct i mean and i'm mostly specifically talking about river cruises do you know river cruises no explain this to me so they are cruises that don't, they don't go on the ocean they go on rivers so like my <laughs> grandparents they did one in china and they i don't know what river i can't remember what river i'm sure the weber the big river in one part of china is and they talk about it all the time. Like they know everything about China because they did this river cruise where you live on a boat and you eat on a boat and then they like make stops in like a bunch of different cities. But they saw like the terracotta soldiers and they saw whatever. And like they talk about this river cruise like like now right? they always bring it up because China's been in the news. They're like, well, when we were in China, and I was like, you basically were like at Disney World. Like you don't <laughs> like, like I don't think. <laughs> And then they did they did one like in uh, down running uh, in Europe where you like but you like it's all rivers and they're they're it's like Viking river cruises you get them on like you buy them off like Masterpiece Theater like they'll advertise them and it's all like everyone's probably like over seventy and white. Yeah, no cruises is uh, a really good one. So I have a few as well. Um, let me see. Um, so my first one is just live, laugh, love culture. Yeah. Um, you know, I think outside of myself, um, I only know white people who hashtag things live, laugh, love. I don't know if you agree with that. I mean, I see it on TikTok all of the time. So people are very, they love, live, laugh, love. And it's one person I saw, they use white claws to spell live, laugh, love on the wall in their apartment. <laughs> oh, my God. That might have to be the thumbnail for, for every <laughs> podcast from now on. Holy shit. That's a, that's a, it's like, it's like when, it's like when TV shows have to give like explicit content warning. <laughs> that one is a little bit too intense for me. Oh, oh my man. Just so extra. Oh Perfect. man. You know, what's the other one? The other one that I had, and I guess it's kind of adjacent to this is uh, people who use those balloons to like spell out like socially <laughs> conscious messages. Like what is going on? This this is like a rising subculture that is happening and it makes me cringe every time I see one. I don't know if you, there's like, it was on this thing on, it was during all of like COVID and like Black Lives Matter, there was like this thing going around 
on Instagram where it was like a bunch of bloggers and everyone was holding up like a different sign and be like, we support you, blah, 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 blah. And it's like similar to that where it's like, you're like, why are you? And it, but it was always like, a, it's like identical 16, like white blonde people. And they're all like holding up like a, we're here for you and we love you. And then like, they've got like balloons or like a lamb. And you're like, I don't understand <laughs> what's going on. No. And people love, people love that stuff. Oh. Like it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. And the other one I just had, I guess, similar to live, laugh, love is a uh, uh, rise and grind culture. Rise and grind. Yeah. I think rise and grind culture, I think it's faded a bit now, but uh, rise and grind culture, I felt like was, was a uh, really the thing, um, a few years ago. Yeah. I, it, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> coffee <laughs> culture, like, yeah coffee culture rise and grind culture and like um yeah there's a lot of these subcultures that just like spring up and then they just take off they just yeah and then they disappear yeah so those are the ones that i had well ashley i really appreciate you educating me on um everything that we talked about i hope this conversation uh, was as useful to you as it was for me and maybe reconsider a lot of my life choices but yes 